So I was talking to somebody recently and they have been through a very uh, difficult period, a very difficult, um, very, very difficult year, but um, a difficult decade, but the last couple of months have been particularly bad. And during our conversation, she began to cry. And then she apologized profusely for crying. She said, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry for crying, I'm so sorry for crying. Then after she sent me a message saying, look, I'm really sorry about, uh, about that I cried during our conversation. And I told her a hundred times during the conversation and a hundred times afterwards, I said, crying isn't a bad thing. Crying isn't a bad thing. It's a, a natural release. For when we have all kind of, like, we have so many emotions, pent-up emotions, you can cry because you're so happy, right? Someone proposes to you and you burst into tears. and say, yes, of course, of course I'll marry you. Right? You know, this emotion, like you, you can't express it in words, and so it just kind of it comes out in your tear ducts, right? Or in times of great loss. Again, we haven't got words, but there's no way of kind of expressing everything, the grief and the loss and the sadness and the regret and everything, so it just kind of comes out as tears. It's a natural, good way of releasing emotion. It's, 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 it's the way we're designed. Pushing all that down doesn't help. Pushing it all down, pretending everything is okay, pretending everything is fine, push it all back, push it all down, and just pretend everything is okay, everything is sunshine and buttercups. But inside then, all this emotion is still there. Right? And all this um, sadness and, and, and regret and loss and grief. So it's actually helpful just to, to cry, to let it out in a, in a natural way, not that we burst into tears when there's no milk in the fridge, right? but like the, just that we have a natural, healthy way of releasing that emotion. And it, it got me thinking about how our, our faith so often, we, we got talking about the need then to bring, to bring Jesus, to bring the Lord into uh, all of these difficult circumstances of our life and to experience him as the healer. To bring Jesus, into our, Jesus the healer into our lives and to let him heal those memories one at a time, nice and gently, at a pace that we're able for, but at the same time that we're still actually moving forward as opposed to just pushing everything down and pretending everything is okay and then wondering why we can't sleep and wondering why we don't really like ourselves and wondering why we have kind of a death wish and wondering why we accept to be mistreated. Because deep down in my own heart, if I'm not at peace, if I'm not healed in here, everything, every external factor will either aggravate that or just be, in, just be un, unhelpful. The healing of the person starts with the healing of the heart. And this is exactly, see, what the Lord wants to do. That's why I think like, if, if it came to marketing our faith, we have to be much, much, much better at marketing our faith in terms of consolation and healing. Consolation and healing. We have to stop talking about the fact that join, the, join our church. We've got loads of rules. You'll love them. <laughs> right? That's not going to work. Join our church or you might burn in hell. That's not going to work either. Right? Join our church because it's full of consolation and healing. Who doesn't want that? That's attractive. Now, obviously, when they come to church, then they have to feel that, that here, too, that we are a people full of consolation and healing. They have to see it lived out, not just that there's a nice advertising campaign, but they have to see this lived, too, that when they come to Mass, they feel consoled. They feel in some way healed. They feel closer to the Lord. They feel closer to the source of, of, of all grace. That's something that, that I think we just need to be, to be much, much better at. Like when you think of uh, the reading from the prophet Isaiah today, right? It's just lovely. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will prepare for all people a rich banquet, a banquet of fine wines, of 
food rich and juicy of fine strained wines. Right? He really likes the wine. Right? On this mountain he will remove the mourning veil covering all peoples and the shroud enwrapping all peoples. He will, he will destroy death forever. He will wipe away the tears from every cheek. He will take away his people's shame everywhere on earth, for the Lord has said so. Do you know what I mean? He says all of this, and then he kind of drives it home. I've said this. I will do it. I will do it. Do you know what I mean? Come to me, all you who labor and overburdened, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. Do you know, who doesn't want consolation? Who doesn't want healing? The, the, the Second Corinthians, uh, there's a, such, a, such a beautiful line just at the beginning of it there, where it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation. The God of all consolation. Again, who doesn't want a little consolation every now and again? When things are, are, are difficult and illness strikes and bereavement strikes and whatever else, you know, family aren't practicing and sons and daughters don't keep in touch and the in-laws and the outlaws are all awful and all that. Who doesn't need consolation? My goodness. But how often do we, do we associate consolation with coming to the Lord? You know, in my addiction, in my struggle, in my loss. How often do we think of actually going to the Lord with this and just presenting our hearts, wounded and broken as they are, and say, Lord, I need your help. I want to take part in this banquet. Oh, my heart's broken. My heart's wounded. I'm not as pure, as humble as I should be. I'm not as good as I should be. Here's my heart. Heal it. Console me. For you have said you will. You know, the Lord doesn't need to be held to his promise when I say it that way. What I mean is, I need to hear myself say, Lord, I know you will do this. I don't need to remind him of what he's promised. He's well aware of what he has promised. But it's good for me to hear, Lord, you have said so, so you will do so. I need that. You know, we need to hear ourselves say things to pray with confidence. You have said so, Lord. You have said you will wipe away the tears from every cheek. That you will take away your people's shame everywhere on earth. You've said so. You will do so. Do you know, and to kind of just to rouse up that kind of amen within us, like let it be so in my heart, Lord. Heal and console me. Because the Lord wants to, wants to invite us to, to this wedding banquet. And it's a, a slightly different point now on, on, on the gospel, but I think it's something that does need to be clarified. So the Lord obviously is, tells this parable of the wedding banquet, uh, the king, the king's son is getting married, so he invites whoever was supposed to be invited. Okay, they don't come, they're all busy, they all have other more important things to do, and some even kill the messengers. They kill those sent out to invite them to the wedding. Why on earth they need to kill them? A simple, no, I'm busy, would have been sufficient. <laughs> you don't have to kill him. Like, don't kill the postman just because he arrives with your ESB bill. Like, it's not his fault. Okay, poor postman, like... Lord knows, they struggle enough with all the dogs around here. Like, but, uh, but don't blame him. Okay, so, so, they, 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 like, so you can see these people, these are not nice people. Right? The people who have been invited made an absolute mess of it. They were invited to something beautiful, to something good, a free wedding feast. Just come. All you have to do is turn up. The food's there. The door's open. 
It's all good. Nah, I don't know. I don't know. No, a couple of new movies out on Netflix tonight. Couldn't be bothered going to mass. You know, it's the doors open. We're invited to the wedding. So those invited don't go. So what happens? Uh, others are invited. Okay, those on the crossroads and homeless. And so basically, from a Jewish perspective, it means you know foreigners and those who have not been blessed in a Jewish mentality. If you were rich, it's because God was blessing you, because you were a good person. If you were poor, it's because God was cursing you, because you were a bad person. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of an odd mentality for us. We've kind of gone the other way, where we kind of think, I think generally speaking, if you're rich, you're probably dishonest. Maybe that's an Irish thing, I don't know. Uh, it's our, our kind of, we like to pull people down. You know, but if you're rich, you're probably conniving, and you're probably a gangster somehow. And if you're poor, God how, somehow looks more favorably on you. It doesn't, it's, it's just not, it's not that simple either way. You know, it's not that the rich are bad and the poor are good or vice versa in a Jewish mentality. It's, it's what comes out of a man that makes him good or bad, not how much is in his bank account. So, but there's this one curious verse at the end of, of, of this gospel. So the king is walking through the wedding banquet, right? And he sees this man not wearing a wedding garment, Right? And he says to him, how did you get in here, my friend, without a wedding garment? Now, the man stays silent. I always imagine this. Like, it's, it's a wedding banquet. Those who were homeless, those who were at the street corners, those who weren't the nobles of society were invited. Okay, so this homeless guy, we can imagine, more or less, comes into this wedding banquet. It's like, oh, this is, this is class. Chicken drumsticks, okay. <laughs> right, and he goes over to the, to the table for some grub, and he's there eating a, drum, a drumstick, listening to Jewish music, hallelujah. Right? And he's there, and he's just chomping away into the chicken drumstick. And then the king comes over and says, How are you going to hear without a suit? He's like, I'm homeless. <laughs> I'm homeless. Like, how, where do you expect me to get a wedding garment? Like, okay? And so this, this verse never made sense to me. How did you get in here without, without a wedding garment? The king asks. At Jewish weddings, the groom provided the wedding garment. That's how, in, here in biblical. Uh, vocabulary as well, how the Lord has vested us with righteousness. He has clothed us in righteousness. The Lord provides the, the, the wedding garment. Now, it wasn't a full suit, an Armani suit for everyone who arrives. Of course not. Some sort of a shawl that went over the top, I don't really know. But ultimately, the, the groom provided the wedding garment. So if you weren't wearing it, that was your choice not to wear it. Again, the wedding garment is provided for you. The banquet is provided for you. Everything is provided for you. All you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is wear the thing. It was done for you already. It was prepared for you. Just put it on. That's all you have to do. So if this guy wasn't wearing it, that's a mark of disrespect. It's like, I'll come to your wedding garments. I'm not wearing any of your stupid garments. I'm, I'll, I'll come to the wedding banquet. I'm not going to follow any of your stupid customs. Okay. Now, again... This is, this is a parable. Jesus is teaching us something in this. Why is this important? On the cross, Jesus has done all that was necessary for us. He has redeemed us. He has paid for our sin and our debt. Right? That's already done. All he asks us to do is say, Lord, forgive me. That we come and accept his mercy. That we come to confession. That we come to mass. All the hard work, all the heavy lifting is already done. What he asks of us in comparison is so small. Just like obeying the commandments. Obeying the commandments isn't even hard. It's, obeying the Ten Commandments isn't even remotely difficult. 
Right? Don't kill. Anybody tempted to murder recently? Any homicidal tendencies? Anybody? Teresa? No, you okay? Right? So, I mean, it's not that, that, that particular one isn't even that difficult. Don't commit adultery. Again, it's not exactly the hardest thing to not commit adultery. Like, just don't go there. Okay, don't lie. It's maybe a little harder. It's a little easier to let one slip every now and again. But, you know, honor your father and your mother. Put God in the first place. Don't, you know, honor, honor the Sabbath day. Don't abuse his name. Not difficult. Not difficult. That's not, but that's not the standard. The standard isn't just obey the Ten Commandments. The standard is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the standard. Not just obey the rules. Love. And then the rules are plain obvious. So what the Lord is asking us today in this, in this gospel is just accept the gifts we're being offered. The wedding feast is free. It's not hard. All you have to do is just, just, just walk there. It's not difficult. And when you get there, accept what he's offering you. In our case, accept his mercy. In the case of the parable, accept the wedding garment. Accept his mercy. Accept to be clothed in righteousness. Accept to be purified and cleansed. Accept then to be nourished by the Eucharist. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. Because the Lord invites us to a beautiful wedding banquet. Not just at every Mass. This is supposed to be a foretaste of heaven. Thanks for the heavenly music. Uh, This is supposed to be a foretaste of heaven. Where the banquet never ends. Where the wine never runs out. But don't misinterpret that one. Okay. Where the wine, where the joy never ends. Where the joy never ends. Where living in God never gets boring. Where every desire is fulfilled. That's this banquet that we're called to. In this place then where every tear is wiped away and every consolation is granted to everyone for all time. We need to get better at spreading that message. We need to get better at marketing that. Our faith is a faith of consolation and healing. And so we invite the Lord into all those areas of our hearts that need consolation and healing today. And we bring before the throne of God all those who we know are in need of the same. May the Lord be our strength and our song. And may we accept his invitation to the wedding banquet. Amen.